What I find with so many people is when they are in an unhappy situation or in an unhappy job, they often devalue themselves or devalue the work that they're doing. So then they mentally trap themselves in their own job or in their own situation. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. As we work with people here at HTYC, people seem to struggle figuring out just the first step or the first couple steps of their career change. Well, we've worked with hundreds of people and have helped people in almost every situation. So today, Scott and Philip are going to be sharing the first three steps to make your career change. Specifically, they're going to be talking about how to find an opportunity that matches strengths and skills and also pays well. Now, this is a training that we did a little while back, a month or two ago. And when we did that, we restricted to just a few people, but we decided that we wanted to share it, it with you also. Now, some of the things that they share may seem simple or obvious, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily easy. But I encourage you to try to find at least one thing that you can do and then commit to doing just that one thing. So just do something to help push your life and career forward even if it doesn't seem like much. Now, Scott and Philip begin this training by answering a few of the pressing questions that they received. I do want to make sure that everyone here is interested in making a change over the course of the next 12 months here, or at least beginning making a change. If you're like three years out, and you're just sort of like dipping your toe in the water, then, you know, uh, let me save you some time right now. Like go do, go do something else with your time. But if you're interested in at least beginning the change in the next 12 months, then you're absolutely in the right place here. And you are willing to invest in yourself. This is, by the way, if you're here right now and you've charted out the time to, <laughs> to do this for yourself, that's pretty cool. And kudos to you because most people in the world will not take the time and effort to invest in themselves. They'll keep continuing to fluctuate their attention towards whatever life throws in front of them. So way to grab the reins and begin taking control. That's awesome. And you know, I mentioned settling. I don't want you to do that. So that's what we're going to cover here. I want you to look for a minimum one thing you could actually do, even if it's engaging with us to find out what, uh, what else you can do that you can commit to before the end of this. Okay. Question number one, this comes from Sherry, right? Oh, no, no, no. This one's from Megan. My apologies, Sherry. Okay. My struggle says that I'm currently not sure what I want to do. I don't know if I should apply for jobs more in line with my interests that I would be slightly less experienced with, or should I start out for the sort of certificate or degree program? A little bit of background on this. She's got a BA in communication studies, almost seven years in member association roles, a lot in customer service, admin, event, planning, marketing, really experienced with technology. And I'm not going to go into all of those pieces, but shares that this is her current struggle. In her original question, 
is that you know how do I how do I start to think about this? Yeah, you know, that may be slightly experienced. Should I start with some sort of certificate or degree program or something else? And Megan, if you're here, feel free to share more in the chat as much as you're comfortable with. So, a couple of things to consider currently. It's really, really difficult to begin to identify what is going to be the most effective way to get there, whether we're talking a degree, we're talking a certificate, we're talking some other type of training, if we don't know exactly where it is that we want to go. So I'm hearing a couple of different things here. So I actually want to back up just for a second and say that one of the biggest challenges that I continuously run into in all walks of life when I'm talking to people about their career and what creates a much more fulfilling, much more exciting, much more challenging in, in the right ways for you and much more lucrative career as well, whether we're talking finances or otherwise, is not necessarily, you know, should I get this degree or should I get this certificate? Usually the bigger and far more challenging thing is trying to prioritize what it is that you actually want. That's a really, really difficult question to answer without starting with it. So here's what I would encourage you to, to think about, Megan. It sounds like the bigger of these two challenges or three challenges that you've got embedded in your question is that not sure exactly what I want to do part. So I would actually start there. And let me give you just a couple of things to start with if you haven't thought about these already. So number one is you know, what are, as you think about what are the most important pieces to you in your next change, the most important pieces to you in your next, you know, next job, next role, next company, next organization, whatever, you know, what are those? See if you can list some of those out. It might be you know, that I have much more flexibility than what I want. It might be, you know, I want to be much more challenged in ways that are going to be useful for me. Like I want to be able to see a, a tangible impact in, in the areas that I get to focus my time on. Or you know, I, it might be that I want to work with a different set or a different type of people that have similar values to what it is that I do or an organization that has those types of values. Whatever it is, I would actually start there. And I know that sounds a little bit uh, like, can I just get to the part where I get a new job already and figure out like, what is the, what is the you know, thing that's going to help most with that? But it's gonna be really, really difficult to answer any other types of questions like, should I start with the degree or certificate? Or do I even need a degree or certificate? Do I need to spend money and or time there without answering the other pieces first? So start with those types of questions, and then that will get you a little bit closer to answering what is it that I want to do. And here's, here's something that we see behind the scenes. A lot of people don't realize this. A lot of people, when they're thinking about, you know, what is it that I want to do, they're thinking about a particular type of occupation, right? Like um, occupation or role or, you know, should I be an HR manager or should I be a you know, graphic designer or something else that I haven't heard of or haven't thought of? And what we've actually found working behind the scenes, this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but go with me for just a second, is that about um, between 60 and 70% of the people that we work with, it's actually less important 
if, to identify the particular role that they're going into. Not that it's unimportant, but it's less important compared to identifying an organization that lines up with the right type of environment for what they need. So I know that sounds crazy, but we've got a ton of data to support it. And actually, if you start looking at, at the research into what makes us uh, more happy, what makes work feel more meaningful, what makes us more fulfilled at any given moment, for most people, it's actually going to fall into, am I creating the right environment with the right people, uh, you know, the right values, and those other pieces around me? And that is more important than the actual specific tasks that I'm doing within the work itself. So that's part of the reason why uh, I would advise you to actually start figuring out what is actually most important for you. Philip, anything that I missed there? Um, I, I think a couple things to add there are, um, I recently saw so, something and it supports that data is when you're, when you're looking for an organization or place to work, um, you should really be cautious of the environment you're going into because often the environment that you're in, you'll start um, assimilating or acting like those people. So environment has such a big factor. And we all know this on your mood and how happy you are and just the people you interact with. And what I have found, and I don't know if you found this from, from your uh, end, Scott, but every time I jump on the phone with people, they always want to work with good people. Good people. It's weird, work with right? People. Nobody wants yeah. to work with people that hate their work or just are kind of in a terrible mood all the time. Like they I want to collaborate yeah. and exactly and and work with other people who are yeah collaborative, who also want to be there, who are happy and passionate about what they do. So, like Scott mentioned, we get a lot of people who the organization first matters, and we find that that finding out what you want more and getting really or as much as you can specific about that is always the better place to start because from a, from a certificate degree or um, even any other kind of perspectives, are those actually going to get you closer to you what you want or are they going to kind of veer off and, and put more time and money in the places too? So hit the nail right in the head, being really specific about what you want from the start really, really um, is allows you to save both time, money, and a lot of your sanity, I'd say. Here's, here's another stat that we have behind the scenes is we've tracked it over the last uh, seven years that we've been in organization. And I actually haven't looked at it for a while, so don't, I, this may not be current. But last time we looked at it, it was r only roughly 10% of the people that we work with ended up deciding that a degree or certificate or other really extensive training. I'm not talking about like, you know, one day type trainings or anything like that, but really extensive training that required lots of time and, and money was the most effective way to get to where they wanted to go. That was a really surprising statistic to me. I would not have guessed that if you would have, if you would have looked at that over um, <laughs> five or six or seven years ago, if you would ask me that I would have guessed it differently. So when asks a follow-up question, is it, are you saying it's best to target a specific company or organization at the outset? Um, specifically, what I'm saying is that uh, we find that for most people, that is the best way to go. Not everyone, but for most people. We see um, someplace between 30 and 40% of the folks that we help that it's better for them to look at roles first and then organization second. And for everybody else, the vast majority of people, 
is best to identify what you need. And when we say environment, we're not just talking about like, where do you want to live in terms of you know, this particular city, or I want to live on the ocean, but also what type of culture is really important for you? What type of values go into that? You know, who are the types of people that you want to spend your time around? Because that matters as it turns out, and they make up and, and uh, unintentionally dictate a lot of the environment. So those all and many other parts are a part of what we're talking about when we say environment. So and to, add, questions. to add one more part, I think, to Wynn's question. So Wynn, I think you might be asking too, um, and you could definitely let us know in the chat if we're wrong, um, this, if it's best to target a specific company or organization on the outset, you, if, if by you mean, if like, I want to be working for target and do you specific, and that <laughs> pun intended, uh, specifically target target, um, we could do that. But what we generally find and what Scott's mentioning and how he's discussing it, it's more about what, what's going to be in that ideal organization that you're looking for. And is it part of a certain industry? Does it, does it, um, do something or stand for something in the world. Sometimes we talk to people who are really passionate about nonprofits or philanthropic, or are they the top in their industry? And that's the kind of thing that you want to do. So not necessarily if that's what you might be mentioning about name, but more what are the attributes for the company that you're looking for to work for or work with? Feel free to ask additional questions too. We're going to... As we go through some of the other questions we have, we're going to help this become more and more clear about what you can, what you can do specifically. <laughs> yeah, not target. Thanks. <laughs> here's, here's question number two. This one, I believe, is actually Sherry. I jumped ahead scary. as it turns out. So Sherry said, I'm scared to find a new role because maybe it's actually... Maybe it's actually the role I don't like and not my particular job. How do I know? How can I figure out if this is what I want to spend my career doing? And she sent us a little bit of other information too. And I'm going to share part of that. Sherry goes on to say that, you know, she gets, gets pretty, gets paid pretty well. And concern is that changing careers and essentially starting over means starting at the lower end of pay scales as well. She has a family to provide for, so is not interested whatsoever in taking a substantial pay cut, which I totally understand. Yeah, absolutely understand on many different levels. Been there, done that, got enough t-shirts to make a quilt. This is, yeah, she further says, you know, I'm, I'm currently in a job where I am very unhappy. And she feels like she was misled a little bit in the interview process and ended up in a situation that doesn't want to be in. And probably wouldn't have chosen had she been provided other, you say, truthful information about what the job was. And this has got her in a position where she's a little bit scared to find a new role because maybe it's the role, maybe it's not the particular job, but how on earth does she know and figure this stuff out? Okay. There's a lot of pieces to your question here. And I'm so glad you asked because this is a place where a lot of people are. We, we encounter this again and again and again. In fact, if you listen to the podcast, you've probably heard many people that started in this exact place. In fact, I would estimate that probably, and this, uh, this one I don't necessarily haven't pulled data for, but this is just my best guess, uh, probably someplace between, you know, about like 70 and 75% of the people that we help share this exact same thing. Like, 
I, I already have a pretty good role as far as you know pay goes and a few other things. And I am scared that I'm going to have to start over. Here's what we uh, have found with helping many, many people with this problem. At this point, we've literally helped thousands of people with this exact problem. Thing number one is being scared about making this type of change is, is normal. It actually makes you human. That's a good sign. It also means that if you're scared about it, it's something that you care about. You don't get scared about things that you don't care about in, in one way or another. So you're human. Congratulations. That part is actually a good sign. If you weren't concerned about this, I would have, <laughs> I would, I would have concerns. That said, Something that is a huge myth out there that I hope to dispel over you know, many upcoming years is that just because you make a job change or a role change or even an organization change or all three does not necessarily mean that you automatically are going to get paid less. Here's something we don't talk a lot about on the, on the podcast, but you may have heard Many of the success stories that we've shared, you may have heard people allude to this. A lot of the times, they're making um, they're making either the same as what they've made, or greater than what they've made. And every single one of those people that you've heard on the podcast that's a success story came into it asking the same question, saying, "Hey, I'm trying to figure out like, or I'm a little worried about how." Uh, you know, how I'm going to find meaningful work or work that I like or work that I enjoy and challenges me in the right ways and still get paid as much because I can take a little bit of a pay cut, but I really can't take a big pay cut. And instead, what we find in reality is that there's no, there's no actually better time to make a um, pay increase than when you're making a job or company or organization change because there's no better time to negotiate than when you're make, when you're going to a new organization or a new role. There, there just isn't. That's when you have the most power, for lack of a better word, in the negotiation. So part of the, the secret sauce a lot of the time is that um, you know, when, when people are making changes and these are really you know, capable people that have good experiences and and are just trying to apply many of those experiences in a new way that's actually better for them and better lines up with what they want in their ideal career, or ideal roles, or ideal next steps, then it's already the right time <laughs> again and again and again. And here's what I would also tell you is we part of the reason that you know people end up with a, a similar salary or a, an increase in their salary is because they don't end up accepting a role that is less. And you don't get to hear a lot about that on the podcast. They may have been offered, you know, two or three or in some cases, four different, uh, four different roles with different organizations, but they didn't accept the ones that weren't a good fit, either salary or otherwise, because uh, it, it's a little bit like buying a house that you're going to live in. You only need one house. You only need one job. You don't need seven different jobs necessarily. Maybe you want seven different jobs, and if so, that's great. But most of us are not looking for that. And instead, that means we only need one to line up. So we don't need to worry about averages. Like, yeah, uh, I hear a similar thing where people are like, hey, I want to go into this particular area, but I'm worried about 
you know, on average, it doesn't pay as well as what I want. But that's an average. There's also a whole spectrum of pay. And you don't have to accept the ones that don't line up with what you want and you need. So that's a completely different way to think. That's actually flipping the mindset quite a bit. And instead saying, I'm going to go after what I want instead of what I perceive is available to me. So that, that sometimes will work with people, quite frankly, getting people into that mindset and helping them understand that that's how it actually works in the, in the real world. That's a challenge in itself. And we might work with people for months just to move from looking at it like I have to accept what I believe is available out there to let me identify what I want and what I need and find the small portion of opportunities that are right for that. Philip, anything that, that I missed? I feel like I only got into the first part here. For- um, just to add one little more sentence onto the first part. I've, I, it's so funny. I talked to so many people in Scott Mendes. We have thousands of people. And I, I'm the first person that they, they talk to. And, if you, and you'll talk to me if you, if you uh, um, end up talking to us. But what I find so many with, with so many people is when they are in an unhappy situation or in an unhappy job, they often devalue themselves or devalue the work that they're doing. So then they believe that they, they, they mentally trap themselves in their own job or in their own situation. Yeah. So they think that they can't potentially leave or the grass, the grass looks greener on the other side, but the devils I know are much better than the devils I don't know. So then they keep themselves there. And that's what, when we're talking about what specifically we work people, work with people for months, that's it. And what Scott's mentioning, and I think the really important part to add there, it comes back to being really clear about this is what you, this is what is the ideal, and here's the minimum that you will accept. And approaching it from a this is what I have to offer, and this is the value I have to the world, rather than I don't know if I'm going to find something. Oh my gosh, I'm be stuck in my home, same, same situation forever, kind of kind of thing. So it's, it's we often find it's getting that level specific, but also that's where we find where a lot of people also get stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's one other piece for the second, um, the second piece of the question, the, how can I know, which is often the really, really hard part. Um, couple, couple ways that you can begin knowing or getting feedback so that you can make good decisions about your next step. It, the reality is it isn't going from a situation where I don't know to, I do know. It is an iterative process. It is, I get a little bit of feedback and then I use that to learn more. And then I use that to learn more. And then I use that to learn more. It becomes a stacking type process where uh, you, uh, you find out different pieces of the puzzle and begin to put them together in a way that works for you. Okay, so here's what I mean. You might start out with this really simple exercise. It's an absurdly simple exercise. I have used it with, I don't know, probably like 30,000 people at this point that we've you know, sent it to an email and blah, 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 um, trainings, et cetera. So take out a piece of paper on the left-hand side, list every role that you've had, volunteer, uh, you know, gotten paid for, uh, Otherwise, you know, as many roles as you possibly have. And these can be work specific. It can also be other areas of life too. list all of those, you know, positions, roles, organizations. And on the right hand side, begin to identify two different things. What you found that you enjoyed more than average or even looked forward to 
in some of those some of those pieces of the role and what you felt that you were better than average at in that in that role or found yourself gravitating towards again and again and again so often when people do this really really simple exercise they begin to notice some patterns as they're going through it and if you if you get through it completely and you haven't noticed any patterns whatsoever then i would say continue digging in a deeper level or reach out to us to get some help and we'll help you begin to identify what those patterns are but what this does is it begins giving you some initial level feedback to what you want to keep in your next and upcoming roles this can help you begin to put together what we call an ideal career profile, which an ideal career profile is a tool where we help literally, you know, create almost a checklist of what makes up your ideal career you know, from one side where what we already know that humans must have and need to have, and we've got good data on to the other side of what are your personal preferences and what you need that's unique to you in your, in your work. So either way, this is a simple step that you can uh, begin doing right now. And then um, the next next piece of that would be, you know, what can you do from there? How can I figure out if this is what uh, what you want to do? Um, Google, happen to your career, designing career experiments, and that showcases a couple examples. I think there's six different examples on that blog post that'll pop up, and it will help you begin to take some of what you're learning that you want and need and those patterns that you're observing and then begin to look at that as a way to test it out. So often what happens is we might go through with somebody behind the scenes and when we're working with them, we might spend, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a month or so identifying what creates a great career for them. Sometimes we're attaching that to roles and potential opportunities. Sometimes we're attaching that to organizations and environments, right? So and now we've got an educated guest, but we still need to go test it out because what I don't want to happen is I don't want you to say, okay, this is the answer. I'm going into HR. It's going to be awesome. And instead you get there, you accept another role, maybe even get a raise and then realize that you haven't thought of, you know, 17 other things that were not going to be great for you. And then the honeymoon period wears off and you are, you know, now in this role that you're like, oh my goodness, how did I get here? That's no good for you. It's no good for the company that you're working for. And it's certainly no good for us if we're helping you. So instead, we always help to figure out what are some ways that we can design some small experiments to actually test out that you're heading the right direction. And then you can pay attention to the road signs saying, yes, this is the right direction for me. Or no, I need to tweak this a little bit in terms of what I, what I thought I want and what I actually want now that I have some additional feedback. Okay, so there's two things that you can actually do as a next step. Um, and I wanna go on to question three here. Question three, this one, comes from Sarah. How can I start taking action instead of just thinking about a new career? Part of me feels like now is not a good time, like so many others. So this is, this is a really interesting one, Sarah, because uh, it sounds like you might know some of what we're already going to tell you in one way or another. Uh, and I'm really, really interested. If you happen to be on here and you want to share additional context or anything else, you know, that would be that would be awesome. Feel free to chime in. Philip, um, this is something you've been with us for what, like two years ish or so now. And you've had many, many hundreds of conversations over those two years at this point, maybe even approaching well over a thousand. I'm not sure. And 
um, what you've also been here long enough to see people that have decided to not take action versus people that have decided to double down and you know start acting immediately. So can you share some of what you've learned or what you've observed uh, when it comes to when it comes to thinking about what is the right time or um, how to get started or anything else? Take it away. So yeah, I love to. I I don't know if everybody on here or um, maybe I'm bursting a bubble, but let me just share spoiler alert that you might feel like there is a perfect time or there's just a right time to start, but there's never ever a right time to start. I talk to so many people and they go, yeah, that's great. That's great. But I'll be ready next month. Or yeah, no, that, that is great. That's great. I'm going to be ready about six months or this many times for now. And, I've done this too, by the way. So and <laughs> if I, you've done this, don't, no judgment. I've done this. This is a very human thing to do. Very human. We do it here. We do it so many other cases, but if in most cases, if you're on this webinar or if you're chatting with me or you've been listening to our podcast for two, two years, two months, whatever that time, this is something that's important to you and at least important to you to take some sort of action in your life on it. So when I always think about when is the right time for people, there's, I always give them the same response. The answer is always now because we only have so much time and um, you only have so much time to be able to do and be and do this work that you really want to do. So when I see people um, taking action, and I think really the question isn't how do I start taking action? It's more what is one thing I can do today or now or right after I get off of this webinar or whatever that might be to do something about my new career. Read a book, go talk to somebody. There's tons of things that you can do. It's more about doing it. And the difference I find with those individuals who are, let's put them in the, um, should I take action and then take action is that they put up their hand and they did something and they asked for help. That's what I find is really the biggest difference. And sometimes that's taking an action too. And what well, I that find- That is an action, I suppose. <laughs> and it, that definitely is. So I find that that one little part or at least one little action separates you from so many other people. And it's not, again, it's not the how, but it's the what's one thing that I can do right now and then do that again, and do that again, and do that again. Right after this, um, we're actually, <laughs> we're doing a session for our existing, existing clients and existing uh, students. And one of the, it's a totally different session. It's a, how can I get the very most out of out of working with my coach session. And one of the, one of the questions that they had asked on there was that I think is really relevant to this is, you know, how do people get the most success when they're making their career change? And if thing number one is that you're taking control of it, or you are 100% ownership in your career change, but thing number two is something that, you know, not as many people would, um, would think about. And it's that you are setting yourself up for an environment that is going to push you through even when it gets hard. Because Philip's right, there isn't really a good time um, in advance. We have had many cases of people, you've heard some of them on the, on the podcast, where they have found, hey, this was a really great time afterwards. Like Melissa, we aired her podcast 
pretty recently, I think it was uh, two months back or so, she had she had said, okay, I'm going to do this series of activities. And, you know, we got the opportunity to help her through our career change bootcamp program. And then she registered day afterwards, she got laid off. (laughs) She's like, oh, I guess there was never a better time. However, looking the other way, so long as this is an actual priority for you. And when I say this is an actual priority for you, I'm talking about it's important to you to find work that lines up with what you want as opposed to just continue on. And if it, that is in fact important to you and that really truly is a priority, then there really isn't a good time. There really isn't a good time. So what we've also learned is that the people who are most successful in making career changes are the ones who embed it into the nooks and crannies of their, of their life. Because since there is no good time and very few people are just going to be able to create time and manufacture time. And if you let me know, find out, or if you find out how to do that, then by all means, let me know. But uh, that means you have to work with what you have. And that means that you have to declare it a priority and make space for it. So as crazy as it sounds, one of the first actions that you can take might be saying, okay, if I were to make time for this, how would that look? If this were to be, if I were to look at this as, hey, there is no good time, but I'm going to use what I have available and make this a priority for me, how would that look? And then start identifying those, those places that you can make it a priority. In fact, um, inside Career Change Bootcamp, one of the first things that we do is we have people go through and do essentially like a time budgeting process. And people learn one of two things as they're going through that. They either learn they have way more time than what they thought they had. That happens a lot uh, because we're all busy. We all think we don't have enough time for anything, including myself. And instead, uh, when we really evaluate it from a budgetary perspective, we actually have enough time to do what's most important to us. Um, the other thing that they might learn is they actually have, they're way busier than what they, what they believed before. And that means it's even more important for them to utilize the time, the small amounts of time that they have accordingly. So either way, if this is a priority for you, that's a simple action that you can take. Go through and beginning, begin identifying what are the ways that I could start? What are the ways that I could embed this into what I'm already doing? Okay. Really great question, by the way. Love that one. Um, how do I avoid having my resume get sucked into the black hole? This one, I'm not sure who this one comes from here, but this is a great one too. It's also one that we hear again and again and again. How do I avoid having my resume get sucked into the black hole? Um, I'm going to say, you know, don't submit your resume online application in online application form unless you have already reached out to somebody in that organization and know that it's going to be received well. Or, uh, well, I'll say that that first. The only other scenario would be you already have, you are already the ideal candidate on paper and you already have proven experience doing that. Otherwise, that's the only time you should really be just sending your resume off to the wild in application format through an applicant tracking system. And it's especially even harder if you're trying to change occupations, change careers, change uh, something else 
or even make a step up at the exact same time as you're making a career change, it's much more difficult to do that through an applicant tracking system. So for nearly all the people that we work with, we just say, don't do it. Why waste your time? That's kind of like you're going you're gonna to have it sucked into the black hole. And there's far, far, far more effective ways to be able to get your next role. Like, how can we get you going in through the back door instead of the front door? How can we help you build relationships with those organizations that you've identified are going to be very potentially, potentially very good for you, or at least more likely to be a good fit for you? Uh, how can we leverage some of the people that you already know, even if they, you don't know them incredibly well? There's many, many different ways. In fact, many hundreds of ways that we use on a regular basis to not have to just send your resume off to the wild and have it get sucked into the black hole because that's not useful. It's depressing. And it depletes your confidence on a minute by minute level. So I would not encourage you to do anything that just keeps depleting your confidence because that's not going to be helpful to the long, sir, the, the long game, which we know that making this type of change is something that truly is a long game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Anything else you want to add to that, Philip? Um, two things. This question comes to us from Lynn. So Lynn, thank you for your question. If you're in the chat, let us know. Um, and the second thing is it's, Try to, is rephrasing the question instead of how do you avoid getting your resume sucked into the black hole? More of Scott's point is how do we get our resume more in front of the right people? And what we know true, both me and Scott um, have worked on the, that other end of HR, and we have found that the applicant tracking system from an HR and recruiting perspective really is not the most effective way. And in fact, it's actually going through the back door or meeting people like human beings in face-to-face or other methods. So the better question is, how do, you get, how do you get your resume or how do you get you as a person in front of people who could be potential employers? People who can help you or hire you is the rule of thumb that we use again and again and again. Uh, great point. I, yeah. And this is, this is the question we get asked all the time. So we just like to reframe the question to something that we find is also far more effective. Appreciate you sharing that, Philip. And feel free to ask us any follow-up questions on that too. But question number five here, is it okay to negotiate? And do we, do we have any background on this one, Philip? Okay. So the, this, is, this is such a great question. It also is one we get on a pretty regular basis. And I would imagine that there's a whole bunch behind this question. People ask this question for a huge variety of different reasons, ranging from they have never negotiated in a job change and are unsure when it's okay to negotiate and when it's not okay to negotiate and what is you know, socially acceptable, what's not socially acceptable and everything else that might come in between all the way to the other end of the spectrum where they may have had a bad experience negotiating one way or another and have decided that, uh, you know, I'm, I want to do it right per se. So negotiation is hands down. It's one of my most favorite things to do. I, my wife will tell you this. I have probably embarrassed her more times than, than any of us can count uh, by negotiating in situations where people don't normally you know, negotiate. And I find that fun and I love to push about the boundaries there. And I think it's like a nice little psychological experiment wherever I happen to go, you know, whether I'm negotiating in Target or someplace else. But 
What I've learned in doing that again and again and again is there are, there's not just one right way to negotiate. And what I shared earlier too, that when it comes to, when it comes to negotiation, it's more about um, getting and creating the right time with the right person in the right place. Because nearly everything is negotiable when you have those lined up. So it's about creating that. Well, as it turns out, when you're making a change, especially from one organization to another, that's already the right time. In fact, there's probably no better time to do so in many different ways. Sometimes it's even harder to negotiate on a promotion than it is when you're changing from one organization to another or even one section of an organization to another. So it's already creating the right time if that's the space you're in and you want to make a, some kind of job change. Uh, getting the right person is a, another separate case because sometimes your boss or the HR person you might have been dealing with, sometimes they are not the decision makers or there might be multiple decision makers. So making sure that you have and you are actually having a conversation with the right people or right person is the, is the second piece. And then very often, almost all the time, not all the time, but almost all the time, when you're accepting a role or when you are, have a job offer in front of you, rather, they expect you to negotiate in some way, shape, or form. Not 100% of the time, but almost, almost 100% of the time has been my experience. The other thing that I've learned, too, is... If you are going through and you're negotiating, then I have only seen, um, you know, I've done this many, 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 many thousands of times. And I have, uh, actually, I've never actually seen a situation where a job was pulled away from somebody for trying to negotiate. I have seen one other case where I was on the, I was on the HR end of it, where the employer learned something new about the person and it probably appeared on to them that when they tried to negotiate that the job offer was pulled away. But in reality, the employer was just trying to get the heck away from that, that person after they had a whole bunch of new information and decided it was the wrong person. So to this day, I've never actually seen a situation where because somebody tried to negotiate that the job offer was pulled away. And that's what most people are afraid of. That, you know, I've worked so hard. I'm to this point. I want to accept the offer. Like, but I also, it's not quite the right offer. Um, it's not going to get pulled away just because of that. So it is okay to negotiate in almost every circumstance. And that is one of the best ways to make sure that you're making the same or more as far as the salary goes. Okay. So this one comes from Lori, by the way. Feel free to drop any other questions that you have in here. We're going to try and answer as many as we possibly can with the remaining time that we have here. Uh, a couple things that want to want to share with you. I promised at the beginning that uh, two things actually. One, I would share it with you. If you're not sure where to get started, then I would share with you some of the best three steps that work for not everybody, but almost everybody. And then if you want more specific feedback on your situation, by all means, you know, have a conversation with, uh, with Philip and then we can help you figure out we, how we can help very, very specifically to your unique situation. Um, but here's what we found are the first three steps 
to do when you don't know what to do. Step number one, this is going to sound strangely familiar. Remember back to Sherry's situation and a couple others. Identify what's most important to you because until you know somewhat about the destination, it's going to be really, really difficult to figure out the best way to get there. If I don't know that I'm going to Tallahassee, Florida, it's going to be really, really difficult to be able to figure out a route or the best route to get to Tallahassee, Florida. And I'm really going to end up in another state in a place that I don't want to be, right? Okay. Boy, if I know it, I can just set the GPS on Google Maps uh, and away I go. I can figure out the best route. Build a plan to what is going to take me there. So first step, figuring out what is most important to you and beginning with that, leading with that. Step number two, create a potential companies or roles list that you suspect might fit what is most important to you. Is this a perfect process? No, it is a little bit of a CSI process to begin identifying and begin making some educated guesses about what you believe might be a great company for you or what you have been interested in potentially as a right role for you. You won't know, but then that's where we're going to test it out, right? So one of the ways to do this, this is one of the most effective ways because it actually builds relationships at the same time as you are learning whether or not this company or this role is right for you. Begin reaching out to people in these organizations or roles to test drive them. And when I say test drive them, I'm talking about very quickly learning as much as you possibly can to decide, yes, this sounds like I should keep going this direction and continue to learn more or determine that, you know what, this is just really not a good fit and moving it off the list. We call that an off the table list because sometimes it's harder to actually move stuff off the table and stop considering it than it is to actually, you know, identify what you can consider next. Um, So easy way to do that. Here's a really super easy way to do that. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect every time, but really easy way to do that would be uh, identify somebody who, well, I'll give you an example. You know, let's say you wanted to go into innovation and wanted to go into an innovation type role or an innovation management type role uh, or an innovation strategy type role. We'll use that one. Identify some people that happen to be in those roles and give them a call. As crazy as it sounds, pick up the phone and say, hey, you know what? I, I, uh, this, is, this is Scott Anthony Barlow. I, I know this is going to kind of sound weird, but I, I found you on LinkedIn and I would love to learn more about what it is that you do. I am in a situation where I'm considering a career change and I'm trying to learn what might be right for me. Would you be willing to schedule 15 minutes sometime and answer some questions for me about what it is that you do and what you enjoy about it, what you you don't like as much? Is that something that you'd be open to? You'd be surprised about how many people would say yes, just from that one conversation. Yes, you have to figure out how to, uh, how to um, you know, contact them. Yes, all of those things. Those are things that we regularly help people with again and again and again for specific situations. But it's still something that is relatively easy to do that yields high results for finding out whether it's right for you and building relationships with people that can help you or hire you. So it's what we call a multiple benefit practice, multiple benefit activity. Okay. All right. So I want to answer a few more questions, whatever we have time for here. But I'll tell you right now that uh, one, if you are unsure 
if you are unsure where to start, if we've gone through and you know we uh, have given you a bunch of these different pieces and you're still unsure with how to apply them in your specific situation, by all means, then schedule a call with Philip. Go to happentoyourcareer.com slash schedule. Philip will actually put that in the, in the chat here. And that way you can just like click on the link, schedule a call with Philip, and we'll figure out what is the very best way that we can support you, whether it's you know, a custom program or whether it is one of the existing programs that we already have that meets your situation, meets your budget, et cetera, et cetera, so that you can get about the business of moving forward. Because we know from doing this with thousands of people that it's really about choosing when you're going to move forward and beginning to take steps that direction that directly correlates with how fast you're going to move forward. The sooner that you start the work, the sooner you're going to get where you want to go. There really isn't a substitute for that. It's just like the sooner you just, what's the uh, best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? That one that gets circulated around, it's starting to, uh, you know, starting to be everywhere. Everybody uses it, but it's really the same type of concept. And the sooner you get started on this, making actual steps that are going to be effective for you, the sooner you're going to be able to accept your new role and get in there and start enjoying it and stop worrying about your current situation. And more importantly, if you've heard some of the Where Are They Now podcast, where we brought people back on the show three or four years later, then you know that this is something that you can learn once and apply for the entire rest of your life. Every time you make a job change, every time you make a career change, every time you make a big shift in your life, a lot of the same principles apply. So Absolutely. Click into that now before we end up closing down after we answer some other questions here. And then we'll figure out the very best way to help. And Philip will follow up with you to ask some more questions about your situation before you get on the phone too, to make sure it's truly effective for you. Um, however, that said, what do we have any other questions that we haven't answered here that have either been sent? We do. We got we have one that came in from Marissa. So Marissa, thanks so much for being right on here and, and asking your question. Uh, probably a much big question that we can dive into after the call, but her question is, what is the best way to network in a new industry? I have many uh, contacts in my old industry, but it is no longer uh, an industry I want to be part of. So how do you uh, network in a new industry? Well, we've already talked about one way as an example, and you can rip and reapply for new industry. You know, I, I, I gave you a, literally a script for contacting people where I was talking about, I'm interested in this role, but you can rip and reapply to industry too. You know, pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, I saw that you're in this industry. I'm really curious about it. It's something I'm legitimately interested in. And you know, I, would love to, I would love to learn more about it. Would you be willing to spend 15 minutes with me? 15 minutes because that's not too much to ask for. And very often, if that person is having fun, they'll be thrilled to pieces to go, you know, an hour or two hours. It's, it's crazy. Like I've had people devote half their day sometimes uh, because somebody asked and, you know, it was a fun experience for them to be able to share and help in that way. Turns out we all like helping other people. Crazy. And um, that's one thing that you can do in order to get started right away. The other thing I would encourage you to do, if it is not an overwhelming fear to build relationships in person at events, I would encourage you to identify where are some of those people physically or digitally meeting up. I mean, it could literally be a meetup or it could be, you know, what's a, what's a conference or a networking event that those people that are already in that industry 
go to for one reason or another, and then be able to go to that. We get the question all the time about, hey, are networking events a good thing? Should I go to them? And the answer is, it depends. If the people that, that can help you or hire you for the area or job or company or organization or whatever else, um, again, rip and reapply here, are at that particular event, then yes, it could be a great use of your time. If they're not or they're unlikely to be, then no, stay the heck away. So um, those are two ways that you can get started right now. There's many, 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 many more, and uh, we're only limited by creativity. However, those two are two that you can get started right, right now. All right. So if you're looking for maybe a little bit more guidance, a little bit more help than what Scott and Philip provided in this episode, we want to let you know that we temporarily reopened CCB. That's our career change boot camp. And we temporarily reopened it because of everything that's been going on around the country, around the world, and things are going crazy. And people are in different situations where they're been laid off or they're working from home or they're working less hours or something. Most everybody has been impacted in their career and we want to be able to help. And so we are opening it up just until Thursday. And so if you want to get a little more information, see how you can be able to get some help from our team, then you can just send Scott an email. That's scott at happentoyourcareer.com. And you can be able to put in the subject line, CCB conversation. And that will allow you to be able to Get in contact with Scott. Scott will get the email and he'll put you in contact with Philip, who will uh, be able to have a conversation with you to find out if CCB is the right fit for you. And if it's not, Philip's going to help you be able to figure out what is going to be the right fit for you. And we're going to do the best that we can to be able to get you the help that you need to be able to make your career change. And so just wanted to let you know that we have that available. Now, stay tuned for the next episode coming up on Thursday, and we'll be excited to be able to share that with you at that point. We thank you very much, and we'll see you then.